Hello, and welcome to the Shifting Culture Podcast, in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Go to shiftingculturepodcast.com to interact or donate. In this episode, we have a conversation with Danielle Ripley Burgess. Danielle is a writer, communicator, and two-time cancer survivor. We have a really good conversation around the importance of rootedness, both in community and in your identity with Christ, and how that can help us walk through the situations that we find ourselves in. It's a really good one. I know you're going to enjoy it, so let's get to it. Well, welcome, Danielle. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good. I think, you know, when I when I think of you, one of the thing that, things that really stands out is that you seem to be someone that's rooted in community. So, like, being around community, strong community, and being rooted, uh, I think, in your identity in Christ uh, really stands out. What's been the importance of community and rootedness in your life? Yeah, well... Thank you for that. And that's always encouraging, I guess, to hear that <laughs> that comes out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll say, you know, being, being rooted in Christ, I, I just go back to kind of my identity journey. And a lot of, you know, I think a lot of people will have different experiences of when they maybe first encountered God or heard God yeah. and, for me, you know, as I've grew up in the church, I've so I've always been around faith stuff and I have different milestones on this faith journey where it became very apparent. This is very personal to me and very real where, you know, it wasn't my parents' faith anymore, but it was yep. my faith. And one of the earliest memories I've ever been able to go back to actually is when I was a really little girl. And there was a park behind my house. And I remember walking through the park and looking up at the trees. And I had to be maybe kindergarten age. And, you know, I'm in Sunday school and I'm yeah. learning about God and Jesus. And I remember looking up at the trees and I was wondering, like, God, are you really real? Like, kind of like a kid mm-hmm. does. And even as young as I was, I, I had this strong, strong presence of just with my faith ears, hearing the Lord say, yeah, like I'm real. Like this is all real. And so I go back to that moment a lot because I've had a lot of things happen in my life that have threatened that belief. I have Mm -hmm. a lot of things that have happened that would have me question that if God's real or if I should keep following this and a lot of doubt and fear and anger, but when I go back to that memory, that is what really has rooted and anchored me uh, my entire life. And so even as far as I want to get from that, it's going back to the childlike faith yeah. of, of kind of where that comes from. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I, for that long, to be able to have that, that memory as a child and to stick with that, uh, and I provide some comfort in the midst of, of difficulties. Um, and the changing winds of life. Uh, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, it's, and you know, I think to answer your question on community, community has been there to help keep me on that path. And so 
I do believe sometimes the Lord meets us in these moments where it's just us and him. Of, yep. of course, that was kind of that moment, but it had been a church community teaching me Sunday school as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then as I grew in my faith, it was a youth group community. And then it became a church plant community. And so I really have found that it's, it has to be parallel tracks. It has to be just you and the Lord to find that identity in Christ where it's just you and him, where you can really understand how you are his son or daughter. I haven't, the depths I've gone to in that experience have been alone where it's just me and God, Mm -hmm. but even to know, to go to those places, the silence and solitude or that those spaces and those times are needed. I wouldn't have ever known that if not for community. So I think they really go hand in hand. It's not like you can have one and just not have the other. You need both. Yeah, you definitely need both. So what are some of the the rhythms that you have placed in your life where you can go back uh, and know your identity uh, and, you know, stay grounded and rooted throughout the storms of your life? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I have a few. Um, I have a few really close friends who I've walked with for over a decade now who know they have access and permission to my life and they can speak truth in my life. You know, these are friends that life circumstances have changed, you know, Mm -hmm. between marriage and family, we go to different churches, you know, different cities we live in, but there's a few people that are in our inner core Mm. that, that help remind me of who I am, you know, definitely just plugging into faith community, um, into church, I think has been critical for me in my life. I, I know it can be complicated at times to be part of a church community, but I find participation in a corporate body, whether it's in a home or in a mega church, really, it just, it's essential. Um, and then my personal walk with the Lord. So I've always been a journaler. And so when I start really doubting things, I'll go back and reread journals and gratitude journals and <laughs> angry journals. I have written in the process of trauma healing and counseling. And yeah. when I've written down the bad and the good, it's a reminder of how the Lord's been faithful to me, mm-hmm. because even if I don't feel it today, like he's going to come through for me and it feels awful. I'll go back and read five years ago, how I felt a very similar way and be reminded of what he did, like how he came through. Yeah. So the journals have been really helpful. And then I also have a couple tattoos because mm. for me, I have to put it in front of my face. And so I have a few like kind of symbols I've gotten tattooed that are really personal for me in my faith journey. Yeah. So when I'm really doubting it, questioning it, you know, I'll look down at my arm or my wrist and remember, like, this was God's promise to me. Like, Mm. this is what he meant. And this is what he said. And that's been, you know, I can't run from it. So for me, that's what I've personally done. Yeah. I had to like literally brand it on my body (laughs) because I would forget and I can't wash it off. Like, sometimes I want to wash it off. It's there. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, even if you think of, you know, the importance of a faith community, there's the that importance of scripture, like it, it is a it is a written testimony of the faithfulness of God throughout mm-hmm. history um through ordinary men and women uh of faith 
that God is faithful. Um, and mm-hmm. it's also, you know, the importance of, of symbols and, you know, some altars. You know, one of the things that I remember reading, I think I, I was reading Donald Miller's book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And one of the things he talked about there is to create some sort of a, a lasting memory in any you know situation that you're at that will become the, those types of altars for you that you could go back to. Um, and you know, I remember you know one of the times when we were in the Middle East and we're having a team meeting, uh, you know, getting up at, at five a.m. Going up into a, a Middle Eastern castle um, and singing worship songs as the sun rose up, and that's an altar wow. that I remember. Yeah. Like I go back and I go back to the faithfulness of the promise that you know he promised a team. He he gave me a word that we're going to the Middle East and we're going to have something happen. And but that altar I go back to all the time because it it is something where I said, hey, it cost me a little bit. I had to get up really early. Mm -hmm. I had to do this. I had to go into a castle that wasn't open and climb a wall (laughs) to get into it. (laughs) Isn't that trespassing? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know if it was trespassing. It was open, but it was, there was a gate, but we still had to climb a wall. Okay. So (laughs) it might've been trespassing, but it was memorable. So I go back to it, you know? And I think that's, you know, that's beautiful what tattoos do. As well for you, that's that altar. That's a memory to go back to in the faithfulness of God, and your life journey with Him. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny to me that tattoos is even an answer because I'm not. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put myself in in a group, a commu- a tattoo community, even. Yeah. But it's it's almost like I like how you're saying that. You know, the altar took it took some work on your end to establish it and it to remember and that's a little bit for me with the tattoo is it's just so the sense I had to kind of get over even in my story like legalism and Mm -hmm. judgmentalism thoughts um and I wouldn't have ever said you know oh tattoos are my thing but tattoos have become what the Holy Spirit led me to do to establish that altar like it took some Mm -hmm. work and a little bit of pain yeah. <laughs> on my end to to do that so I I love that story and I think you know I pro- we talk a lot about like the promises of God in faith communities and scripture has them and um you know it, it's like there's the promises of God and then there's the promises of God playing out in our lives like actually mm-hmm. happening and sometimes I meet a lot of people, especially like I'm in the cancer community a lot where they're looking for that bridge between God's promised this. Mm -hmm. And I want to see it actually happen in my life. Like, and they're like, what do I need to do? You know, how do I, how do I get those? And he's Mm -hmm. promised this and he's promised that. And I found it's those bridges between those two situations that really is kind of that altar making memorial stones, the faithfulness, finding your rhythms. And then you have to trust that the Holy Spirit will meet you in that middle place. And he's the best guide out there. And it's always so personal. 
And the Holy Spirit really will connect the dots between here's God's promise for your life and here's how it's going to play out in your life. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm going to trust him in the middle here and go with what he leads me to do. And usually it's not something I would have thought to do on yep. my own, or it's scary or risky or painful, but it, that process has not failed me yet. Mm. And I'm also where I'm sitting here. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here talking about it as if it's really easy, <laughs> but it's actually really hard. Yeah. It's really difficult. I mean, and you think, I don't know, God set you on one path. And then something derails you, like you're talking to cancer survivors, the people in the cancer community. That's a derailing time in people's life where they think that they're on one path, but then, oh, we're on a different path and a different journey. Um, how do you, how do you reckon with that, and how do you walk through those difficult times? Uh, it's messy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking through this. It's really personal right now. So I, I have a, a close family member who have been walking with her for three and a half years and got bad news this week. Um, and I guess for background, for people who don't know my story, I've been a cancer survivor for 20 years now. I was diagnosed when I was a teenager and 17 years old. And then again, at age 25. So, you know, this has been a community I've been in a long time yeah. and had to wrestle through faith and all, health, all kinds of issues. And so this week, uh, you know, I have a, a really close family member who has been also fighting cancer and um, was given three to six months. And wow. so you know, I guess it's really raw and fresh right now as yeah. far as like the wrestle and reckoning. And, you know, I, I wish I had a really polished answer for that. And I guess the only answer I have this week in light of it being so fresh is you just, you, you have to go there with yourself and the Lord and and feel what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and one thing I have constantly been reminding myself this week is God is good. And let's start there. God mm -hmm. is good. God is good. God defines good because in my experience, whether it's my own health or the health of you know people I love, when it's, when your health fails quickly, it's almost like this internal fleshly response is you start asking, you do ask God why, and then he's powerful. So you're like, why did this look, why did yeah. you let this happen? Oh yeah. Why aren't you healing me? You have control. And so it's this real dissonance between who you've always known God to be yep. and how he loves you and how he, he can do everything. And then here you are in the circumstance where your circumstances isn't changing and right. you're still in this pit and it's not looking good. And, and so I guess the reckoning is simply recognizing that that's hard, like, and that's real. Mm -hmm. And the enemy is going to do everything he can, whether you're facing cancer or you're facing disappointment yep. or you're facing any kind of trauma to convince you that God isn't who you thought he was mm -hmm. or isn't who he says he is, which yeah. is good. And I guess part of my journey has been going, okay, God can still be good. Even if I'm in a bad circumstance, <laughs> like right. God is yep. still loving me. Yep. 
even if I don't get healing or, or for me, in me, in my case, I'm going, even if I get cancer again, is God still good? That's mm-hmm. a hard question. You know, yeah, is God still good? Even if my family member dies mm-hmm. of cancer, we've been praying for a healing, even if she's not the miracle, is God still good? Yep. And that is a journey. Um, it's a painful journey, but I guess my testimony is that, yeah, God's still good. And he's shown that to me over and over. He's good. If I start small, start simple, then I'll, oh. I, I can get through anything. Wow. I mean, that's, it's a hard place to, to get to is to, to say from the beginning, God is good when you're disappointed and you're angry and probably all you want to do is, is shout and yell at God and say, why? Um, you know, those questions of why, why, why um, is really difficult. But to start there, that God is good and just be grounded in that promise and that faithfulness. He is good. but And you just yeah. don't know why this is happening. It is a mystery. Um, it's tough. Yeah. I love David gives a good model for this in the Psalms and I love it because it's mm-hmm. so real. Cause he's, he goes back and forth sometimes <laughs> in the Psalms. It feels somewhat bipolar, <laughs> but does. I can relate to him where he's like, I hate this. Like you could do anything and you're not uh-huh. doing it. Like, why aren't you showing up for me? And then like two <laughs> verses later, he's like, wait a second, you're holy, you're good. You're faithful. <laughs> you made the world. I'll submit to you. And back and forth he goes over and over and over. Yep. And I think if we can encourage each other with that model of, Mm. of that's what it's going to look like, you know, that's what we need to hear from each other when we're facing hard times or disappointed with our circumstances is, Hey, like go to the Psalms and just talk to God like David did. And sometimes some days it's going to be full of praise and you're there. And some days you're going to be so angry and so confused and so disappointed. And you can take that to him too. And both are, holy Christian responses to Mm -hmm. a suffering circumstance. I think that's what we need from each other in community that sometimes we don't get. Yeah. When have you seen that played out well in your life in community? Um, Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I have a a family member who is part of that um, program. Mm -hmm. and has had radical life transformation. And that, to be honest, is where I have seen the power of that, of getting honest and real with how you feel and reckoning Mm -hmm. and giving, showing the community the good, bad, and the ugly, and then walking through that with you, whether it's one year sober or five years sober or 30 years sober. Yeah hands down the AA community has done this well mm-hmm. as far as how to support people through the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, I've been fascinated with, uh, with AA and, you know, even their, their model of, of, of leadership, which they don't have a hierarchical leadership system and things, things multiply and or, or they grow organically into a place because People experience authentic, real community uh, and healing through something that, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's going to be reaching out for that. 
uh, and especially in a in a world, a Western world where we live in. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day where they were talking about the U.S. that there isn't really a sense of this is where I am. Uh, people are always from somewhere else. Uh, they mm-hmm. migrate. They move. They say, you know, I'm. I'm from here. I moved there. Um, there's not really a rootedness of community where for years and years, people know you, they see you, they see the bad, they see the ugly, they see the good, they see the the way that you've grown uh, and matured, and they're doing it with you. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. how do we how do we find that community in a, a migratory <laughs> Western society that we live in? Yeah. It's shared brokenness. <laughs> you know, I it's interesting. I can I feel I feel the uh the tension of this t- in my bones mm-hmm. as somebody who works in PR. Yeah. So, you know, my entire field of public relations has this reputation of being spin doctors and <laughs> crisis communications and covering up the bad and presenting a good image, you Mm -hmm. know, the whole thing. And so I've had to sit with that a lot as somebody who's in marketing, comms, PR. And I love this field. Like I love communications, but also going, you know, if, if the truth and the real raw, honest, the vulnerability of what's going on isn't exposed, whether we're talking about an individual or an organization, then nothing, nothing really great can come of that. Like Mm. it's, it's keeping things hidden um, for one. And, but it's also, you're losing out on these true connections. Like you're talking about the rootedness and the vulnerability, you know? And so I, I, man, I wish there was a magic one answer to that, (laughs) but I guess it's, especially here in the West, it is a tension. It's a very real tension Mm -hmm. and I think it's really going to take all of us, um, you know, all of us who want to influence culture or help bring healing is we have to go first, right? Leaders set the pace. And so if we're willing in the right setting with the right people to be honest and vulnerable about what, what our brokenness is, you know, that's step one on the AA Mm -hmm. ladder is admit you're powerless. And so that program has brought healing in my life, even though alcoholism isn't what I'm necessarily struggling with. I just replace I'm an alcoholic with whatever I'm dealing with. Like I'm broken. <laughs> yeah. I can be judgmental. I can be religious, narcissistic, like you mm-hmm. name it. And when I start there and I'm willing to say I'm broken and then somebody else comes along and says, well, I'm broken too. Well, then you can start to build authentic community because you're yeah. letting somebody else see you. Um, so I think it, I think it starts, I really do think it starts there. Yeah. And because that it's like the most appealing thing ever is when somebody is being raw and honest and vulnerable with you, mm-hmm. that's transformative. You don't have to market that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes off on its own mm. because we're, especially in this culture, we all just want something real. Yeah. And so the more respectfully real we can be um i think community transformation people coming to the lord 
I think it'll just fall into place when somebody's willing to just show their cards and be real honest with where they are and what they're dealing with. Yeah. I mean, I've the quickest way that I've I've attached to other people in community is is when people are are truly honest and vulnerable and real and raw and open up. People in my life have had really bad experiences uh, opening up and being raw and vulnerable at the wrong times. And it's shut them Mm. off and shut them down where they can't, they won't do it anymore because they were hurt. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was, I was pretty hurt uh, by someone when I was living in the Middle East, when I was opening up and, I mean, they just shut me down quickly. And it took me some time to start to grow that muscle again to trust another person to open up. How can we get to that place when we have been hurt in the past to be raw and real and honest? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, man, that's such a real experience that I think a lot of us have had. Um, so I'm glad yeah. you I'm glad you bring that up because it's really important to mention that when you're talking about sharing your story and storytelling and mm-hmm. vulnerability is it's like, it, it's two sides of the same coin. And you, again, you need them both Yep. because as you share your story vulnerably, you also have to exercise maturity and discernment of, of who gets to hear your story and who gets mm-hmm. to hold your story. Mm. And especially if you've got a story of trauma or sensitive details, right? then that is not for public <laughs> right? and, and, and not even public, but you know, you might have to put some years in with a person for them to be safe enough to know those details of your story. And so I think if we can't in communities, pressure people to be vulnerable and open up and share all these details of their lives if they're not ready. And really only that person will know if they're ready. I have found tremendous value in counseling, um, Mm -hmm. having a trusted counselor. And I've been, I've been in relationship with her now over 10 years and it took 10 years to get to the point I could feel comfortable enough sharing some things. Wow. And maybe sometimes it's just helpful for people to hear that. Like, yeah. Sometimes it takes a while, you know, you're not, sometimes you might, it might take a few years to find a safe person who, who you can be honest with. And I would just say if, if somebody's in that place where they don't feel like they can be honest with anybody and they do or don't have a counselor to be praying for the Lord, like praying the Lord to bring that person, right? you know, and and I do think he will answer those prayers because we all need that. And sometimes it's a counselor. Sometimes it's a pastor. Sometimes it's, you know, a super prophetic friend or just a godsend neighbor. So I think the Lord promised, that's one of those promises we were talking about. Yeah. It's a promise of the Lord to meet us where we are. And a lot of times he knows for our healing to happen, we need people. Mm-hmm. Like we cannot yep. heal some things alone. We try, but we need another <laughs> person or two to step in it. He will bring who those people are, but we have to make sure we're walking really closely with him Hmm. to know who those safe people are. And then I will say, if, if we open up to the wrong person and do get hurt again, yeah, well, then we've just been invited on a forgiveness journey. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Because that's going to happen too. Because <laughs> people, people are going to let us down. Yeah. <laughs> that, that will happen. I have done that too. I've kind of told the wrong person, you know, I was wanting to connect so deeply with them and yep. it was my desire. It was like my need to connect with them. My desire for this no belonging and knowing that led me to share the story, but then I put too much on them. They couldn't hold the story. Like it was too much for them. And then mm-hmm. I, I was putting too much on them to carry for me when really I hadn't done the work with the Lord or with mm-hmm. like a mentor type leader yep. to be able to then pass it on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's good. we're hitting on kind of both like the value of community, but then also the value of leaders and yeah. leadership and like being humble enough to say what, I need help or I need counsel or I need somebody to like speak into my junk. Um, sometimes you got to start there before you like go to peer to peer community and just yep. start kind of campfire sharing traumatic, especially yeah. traumatic stories. Yeah. that That's actually pretty a difficult thing in a Western culture where we're very individualistic, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're like, we have this pioneering culture like i'm yeah. gonna do it and i and i don't need anybody else it's this rugged mm-hmm. individualism um have you found ways and in, in your working with with people to help rewire our brain from rugged individualism to uh, a place where they are humble enough to say hey i need other people with me yeah my my response has been okay. Like I've got really thick skin and I'm used to getting pushed away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then my goal has been just stay consistent because they'll come back mm. because of eventually everyone needs like nurture. Yeah. Everyone, everyone needs to feel like they belong and they're known and man, people take some interesting paths hmm. to come to that conclusion, myself included. Yep. Like I'm not, yeah, yeah. Exclu- I have that same <laughs> rugged individualism in me. Trust <laughs> me, I'd rather do it alone. Yeah. I'd rather do almost everything alone. I'd figure it out on YouTube or I'd rather read a blog than call yeah. somebody and ask them. Like it's in me too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess like humility comes into play here of just, like I tried really hard to not give up on people. And mm-hmm. I find that even that small commitment is I'll tell people that like, I'm not going to give up on you. Mm-hmm. I'll be here. Like, even if you push me away, I will be here. If you choose to come back, that will change somebody's life. And I've seen it like, and I, and I've, wow. they've pushed me away and they've come back and, yeah. you know, I, and, you know, I'm not going to, I don't disagree with, sometimes the mental health community is big on boundaries and like ending relationships. And so I want to be careful. I'm not, I'm not standing against that advice. Sometimes that's probably healthy. That's therapist stuff. I'm not a therapist. So I'm not in a place to like tell (laughs) people that of course, if it's an unhealthy relationship or violent, like that's not what I'm talking about here. But what I'm talking about is more on a friendship or in a community where you have believers trying to live in community, a spiritual family, but yet we all bring our junk to the table. Yeah. Um, and so 
when we're all yet around a table because we know we need it, yet we break and we try and live out on our own. And then we're trying to get into other's lives, you know, not giving up on each other and just continuing to come to that table. Um, yeah. That's the best. I I guess that's the best mm. tool in my toolbox right now. Yeah, that's good. What's What makes your heart come alive? I'm trying to think. There's like a lot of shallow things. <laughs> that's okay. Those are kind of fun, though. <laughs> yeah. Like I really like baking chocolate chip cookies like a really good or like if I stumble nice. upon a really good bakery or used bookstore. Oh yeah. That will usually make my day. Um, I mean, my family is so important to me. My husband mm-hmm. and my daughter, I think I've got the best squad out there. <laughs> um, so my family, I love conversations with people. I just got, I love people. Yeah. Um, so even just connecting with people and conversations and I love communications. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy how much I just, I love this field and sometimes it feels like an uphill battle to say I love PR because <laughs> <laughs> so many people hate PR. Um, even pastors, like one of them the other day I was listening to, he like slammed something using the, PR department is like a way to like cut down some effort. I'm like, no, don't do PR. <laughs> but like, I, I love it. Like I love PR. I love writing. Um, yeah. I love editing. And I guess that's all roped up in storytelling. Yeah. Like I love when people are able to share their stories with one another and feel known and feel connected. Mm. So how did you find your purpose in storytelling, uh, communications, PR? Yeah. A lot of times um, there's people will say your greatest pain will lead to your purpose. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's very much my case. And so having cancer in high school, I happened to be diagnosed right at the time where you're trying to decide. Mm-hmm. I was trying to also decide where to go to college and what to major in Right. in the midst of going through treatment. And so in a way, it's kind of that opportunity, you know, when pain and suffering come, you always have to look for the good and you always have to look for the light because mm. for me, it was a bad situation, but yet it was paving a path for me. And so that's been some good to come out of having cancer yeah. so young. So I knew I wanted to give back to the cancer community or to, I, I wanted to give back in some way after I had gone through that and I knew doctors and nurses as much as I loved them. That was not for me. And so <laughs> I kind of stumbled on communications and realized that, you know, sharing your story and meeting other survivors and helping organizations tell their stories and connect what they do to people who need help. That really started to pave a path for me. Yeah. And then I also started writing, like my journals kind of became blogs and I just started writing more and more and uncovered my talent for it, but then also the impact it was making in other people's lives. And when you start to see God opening doors, you weren't knocking on and you start getting feedback that something you're naturally doing is helping change other people's lives. It just feels like this Holy spirit paved path. And so that's a lot of kind of how I've landed with where I'm at today. You adopted uh, your child's, but I, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about how adoption has 
changed your relationship with God? And is mm. there any different aspects of God's character and who he is that you have seen because of it? I'm trying to think how to answer it uniquely as an adoptive parent. You know, uh-huh. I think I think there's some answers that I could give that probably universal to parents, you know, mm-hmm. as far as understanding God as a father and what we go through just raising kids. You know, as somebody who's adopted, I think it probably goes back to that first question you asked me about being rooted Mm -hmm. and it really, the word I'll put on it is identity because in our story of adopting, there is no doubt that God had a plan for our daughter way before we entered the picture. Yeah. And it's been something that I've had to reconcile with an adoption is the worst day for, you know, our birth family became the day some of our deepest, most heartfelt prayers were answered. Mm -hmm. Their biggest heartbreak was our biggest blessing. And that is adoption. (laughs) And while that's hard to reconcile that points to Jesus because the the worst day of his life became the best day of our lives, right? right? His yeah final breath became our life and going through the adoption process has made that reality of God very real to Mm -hmm. me because I can't doubt that there's a bigger plan at play with all of our lives Mm -hmm. and for us to adopt you know, may into our family and know that the world would look at the circumstances that led up to that and have all kinds of labels on it. Yeah. But the only label that we give it and the Lord gives it is redeemed and good. Yeah. And that's a pretty cool view of the father's heart and his plans that we get to have because we've gone through adoption. Mm. I love it. I love that. To see that 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 beautiful plan that God has uh, for our lives, um, there's a couple of questions that I like to ask uh, at the end here. Um, one is, if you could go back to your 21 year old self, what advice would you give her? I got married when I was 21. Um, I think I would tell her enjoy being a newlywed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. Like, those are fun years, you know, yeah. before all your dreams of, like, resp- adulting truly kick in. Yep. Um, so I would tell her that. And then I was also on the path to trying to find myself, like, my trying to start a career. And mm-hmm. I think I was really anxious of, like, trying to get a job and figuring out who I was and where I wanted to be. And I felt like I had this big calling of God on my life. And yep. it was so overwhelming. And I was really anxious a lot. And because I was starting to take those first steps into independent living, I guess, even though I was married, it was like coming out of college and going into career. And it's gotten kind of come through for me. And where should I apply? And where should I work? And should I be on the mission field? Or should I be in an ad agency? And so I would just tell her, (laughs) Hey, like, take a deep breath. 
I promise there's a plan for you. And it's not so much you figuring out the plan or trying to convince God to make a good plan for you. It's actually an invitation into just discovering and uncovering it. And it's kind of like, you know, paleontologists, they, they have those brushes and they like Mm -hmm. dig in the sand for bones and then they just start sweeping off the, you know, they sweep off the ground until the bones kind of revealed. And I would tell my 21 year old self, that is what life is like. And that is what purpose Mm -hmm. and calling is like. It's not that there aren't bones in the ground. It's that you just need to take your time and dig around the right area and start, start brushing and it will reveal itself. Wow. And I don't think I knew that back then. I was nervous that there weren't bones in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. They're all there. Um, And what's something that you've been reading or watching that you would recommend? Um, So I've been binging. This is us. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, Amazing show. So my family, it's touching on issues that our family has definitely yeah. gone through. We're adoptive family. We're yeah. a interracial family. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've faced a lot of loss. So um, I've really enjoyed this as us. It's helping mm. uh, even give our family ideas of how to talk about things. And we're like, wow, oh, we're not great. alone in facing yeah. this. So I've been watching actually a lot of that show. And then I've been reading a book called Garden City by John Mark Comer. Mm-hmm. And if anybody is in a place where they are trying to figure out what they're called to do, especially as a professional, like kind of mm-hmm. career yeah, calling, like meaningful purpose work, even for stay at home moms, like it's not just career, how the West defines career. It's just like, what is my purpose and where should I be giving my time and effort and investing? This is I'm only halfway through, but it's one of the best books I've ever read on this subject. Wow. And it's bringing a lot of freedom. That's great. Yeah. Great recommendations. Um, yeah. This is us. Uh, it's wonderful. I, I mean, I think I, I cried too much. I think maybe I, they know how to get you. <laughs> they really know how to get you. I know. <laughs> They do every episode. It's like, holy God. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, I like it. It's good. Well, Danielle, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. I think really helpful uh, and inspired me to live more authentically with other people. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm hmm. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more episodes like this, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron of the show. You can help us produce more episodes so that we can see the body of Christ look more like Jesus. If you become a patron on patreon.com slash shifting culture, you will get early access to episodes. You will get episode guides. You will get bonus shows, hopefully, and more. So go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron. Also leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. 
Uh, it really helps us out and helps us find new listeners to the show. And just go and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your network, people that you think would enjoy it as well. Thank you again for listening to the show. I hope you have a great week.